Well, good morning. I'm Pastor Allen. We're glad that you're with us. Isn't this weather been fantastic for July? If you're not from this area, we usually have 90-degree weather and no rain. <laughs> We've been having 80-degree weather and rain. Things are still green. So thank you, God, for your grace. We started a new series last week called <clears throat> Grace, Too Good to Be True, but it is true. And we talked specifically about how to connect with God and how it is a grace gift. Uh, we summarized it with this statement. Salvation, or connecting with God, isn't based on my performance, meaning what I do right, what I do wrong, what I do is good, what I do is bad. None of that has anything to do with salvation, as hard as that is to believe. And there's all kinds of examples we could use of people that had bad lives and are going to heaven when they die, and people that had good lives and aren't. So it's not based on your performance, my performance, good things, bad things. It's completely based on God's promise that He sent His Son Jesus to die for you. If you accept that gift, and that's the catch, you have to accept the gift. If you accept the gift, no matter what you've done, if you accept the gift, you become in relationship with God, and you go to heaven when you die. So if you missed that last week or like to hear it again, it's on our website. And uh, uh, we're going to continue in this series for a while. The reason being that for 2,000 years since uh, Jesus was here on earth, most people that come to a church like this kind of get the salvation by grace thing, but then we don't understand how to make application into our daily lives uh, from day to day. And there's all kinds of aspects of our lives where we don't apply grace. And one of those areas is what we're going to talk about today. But uh, Paul wrote to, a, to another uh, church, la um, different church that we talked about last week, and this church, he talked about this because they had this issue. He said, you, have you lost your senses? Some translations say, uh, are you so foolish? Why were they being foolish? He said, after starting your new lives in the Spirit, meaning you accepted the gift of salvation by grace. That's how you started out. Started out well, but then kind of got off track. Why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human efforts? Okay, God, you let me into your family, you established a relationship with me, but now I'm going to do stuff for you, all right? I'm going to prove myself to you. I'm going to do stuff so you'll like me, won't get mad at me, whatever you want to call that. And he said, that's, that's foolish. That's, that doesn't work. Just like that doesn't work to get into a relationship with God, it doesn't promote your relationship with God. So one of those areas we're going to talk about today is an area we're all familiar with, and that's this word guilt. You've heard of this word? Familiar with that word? Uh, we all struggle with guilt. And so God's grace deals with or wants to deal with our guilt. I'll tell you a true story. It happened some years ago in the Supreme Court of San Diego. Two guys were on trial for armed robbery. And they're in trial. The prosecuting attorney gets up and calls a witness. The witness sits down and he begins asking her questions. He said, were you present at this bank on this certain day? And she said, yes, I was. She said, did you see a car beating away <clears throat> at a high rate of speed? She said, yes, I did. She said, he asked, did you see the two people in the vehicle? She said, yes, I did. He asked, are they here present in the courtroom this morning? And before she could say, yes, they did, they both raised her hand. <laughs> Sometimes we just have to admit, I've messed up. I've done wrong. Uh, they felt, what we would say, they felt guilty. 
and so they confessed it. Now, we all struggle with guilt, some more than others, some different times in our lives than other times. So let's together admit this is an area we need to deal with and look at God's solution. We're going to look at our solution. It doesn't work very well. Then we're going to look at God's solution. So what is guilt? What is it? Well, it's kind of this bad feeling, right? That uh, we've done something wrong or we haven't done something we should do. And sometimes it can be almost overwhelming. It can make us depressed. But is that all it is? Just a bad feeling bad? (laughs) No, it's a lot more than that. Let me ask you, is guilt good or bad? Well, yes and yes. All right? It's good that we know we've done something wrong, right? Our conscience bothers us, whatever way you want to call that. Uh, if you're married like I am, my wife is good at telling me when I, <laughs> she has my conscience sometimes, in a, in a nice, kind way. Uh, she knows I want to know when I've messed up and things I need to improve. But it's also bad because it means we've done something bad or haven't done something we should do. So it's good and bad. I like to think of it this way. It's kind of like a warning light. All right? We have these in our car, on the dash of our cars, and this light goes off, and we wonder, okay, there's something wrong. Uh, had this weird, and we had our, our, our van, this weird light showed up on the dash. I didn't know what it was, so I, <laughs> I took a picture of it. I texted it to my son, who works for Honda, and uh, he told me, oh, you, one of your tires is low on air. I didn't know I had a light on my dash that told me that one of my tires was low, but that's pretty cool. Warning light. So, these lights come on. Now, I had a kind of an interesting experience. I didn't have a warning light, but I had a warning sign. My car was making this noise. And I took it to a local uh, garage, and they said, we don't hear the noise. And my wife and I said, why can't you hear the noise? But anyway, so finally I took it to Honda. It's an Accord. I mean, a Acura, and they make Hondas. And, and uh, they found out what the noise was. One of my lugs was off, and one of them was loose on one of my tires. Now, I could have just said, ah, that noise is nothing. I could just ignored it. And eventually, what would have happened? <laughs> the tire would have came off my car, right? So when our warning light comes on on our dash of our car, we have options. Well, hey, that's something I need to get fixed. Or, eh, that's not important. Or we can ignore it. I had a car once, the light wouldn't go off. I couldn't get it to go off, so I put tape over, <laughs> over the light. I don't suggest doing that, but there wasn't anything wrong. The light just wouldn't go off, all right? So the light is good, and it's telling us something's wrong. It's bad because there's something wrong with our car. So in my fa- case, I took it to the manufacturer. So when we have guilt, it's good in that we know that we've done something wrong. We need to fix something, um, but we also have to fix it, all right? So in our case, who's our manufacturer? So we need to take that issue, that guilt to God, our manufacturer. We need to spend some time with him and work it out, right? Now, guilt is more than just uh, a bad feeling. It's something that we've done to hurt somebody, to hurt ourselves or hurt the heart of God. Now, before we go any farther, we have to clarify something that's really a big issue. I, I come across this a lot as a pastor. There's two kinds of guilts. There's genuine, real guilt, and there's false guilt. Now, 
Real guilt is when you've really done something wrong or you really should have done something that you didn't do and Spirit of God is convicting you. Your conscience is making you feel bad and you need to do something to correct it. That's genuine guilt. And we'll talk about how to do that in a few minutes. But there's a big area of false guilt. And false guilt can be described it this way. There's no light on in the dash of my car, but I know something's going to go wrong eventually, so I'm going to worry about it and just watch for that light to come on. We think there's going to be something wrong even before it's wrong. Often it involves other people's sins, how we get caught up in other people's sins. A couple examples would be if, you know, a child's parents gets divorced, that's their sin, but the child feels it's their fault, they feel bad, they have guilt because their parents divorced, even though it wasn't their fault. Turn it around. Sometimes parents feel guilty because uh, their children mess up. Their children do something to break the law, get arrested, whatever, and they feel guilty. Well, I wasn't a good enough parent. If I was a better parent, they wouldn't have done this. No, you probably were a good parent. Uh, this was their choice, and uh, it's not your fault, but we feel guilty about it. That is false guilt. When you and I haven't done anything wrong, but we still feel like we have. Now, this is really popular in church especially in churches that we call more fundamental churches or legalistic churches. In fact, some preachers in those type of churches feel like it's their job to make you feel bad. The worse you feel when the service is over, the better their job they've done. Now, we don't try and do that here. Uh, We try and teach the truth. And if there's something you need to correct, we try and help you figure out how to correct it so you feel better when you leave. So it's really popular in church circles. The problem with it is false guilt builds up more walls than it tears them down. Uh, When I have false guilt, it's disrupting my relationship with God. I feel distant from God. I feel distant from other people. When genuine guilt should be a a tool to get our relationships better uh, and and make us help, help us feel closer to God. So how do you tell? If it's false guilt or real guilt. Let me give you a couple tests. First test is this, is the people or God test. Where is the guilt coming from? Is somebody just telling you you're bad? Somebody just telling you you did something wrong? Maybe you did, maybe you didn't. Is it people focused or you're a people pleaser? Uh, If you are, you're going to be wear yourself out. Because you can't meet your expectations, much less everybody else's expectations. All right? So if it's based on what other people think or what you think they're thinking, that's even worse, then it's false guilt. If it's based on what God says, you know, God says, hey, I shouldn't, uh, I shouldn't lie and I just lied, then that's real guilt, all right? Genuine guilt. Another test is this one. <clears throat> is it vague or specific? I get people coming to me and they just feel bad and and I'll ask them, you know, why do you feel bad? I don't know, I just feel bad. I'm a bad person, I just feel bad. I do bad things. Which in some sense is true. We all sin, we all mess up, right? But if it's vague, it's kind of a a way Satan's trying to rob your joy. And we talk about your usefulness to God. Um, So it's vague, you can't pinpoint it. When God convicts you, (laughs) when it's genuine guilt, It is like pinpointed. It's like a laser. He tells you, yeah, you just sinned and that was wrong. You shouldn't have done that. 
and you can't really get away from it. Have you ever had this experience? You know, God's convicted you of something, and then you turn the radio on, and they're talking about it. You might even watch a sitcom on TV, and they're talking about it. You turn a song on, there's, there's words in the song that, that they're talking about the specific thing that God is convicting you of. So God can, God can zero in on it, can he? And he does. So when it's genuine guilt, it's specific. I know exactly what I did or didn't do. Third test is this. <clears throat> is it about rules or, re- or relationships? All right, so often we feel bad because we, you know, I went three miles over the speed limit. Okay, uh, you want to feel bad about that? You can. <laughs> I wouldn't, but you can. You can drive, be unsafe driving and not go over the speed limit, can't you? If you're dealing with your phone or if the weather's bad, if it's fog or rain. So it's not an issue of are you under the speed limit or not. It's are you driving safely? Is it about rules? No, it's about a relationship. If I got family members in the car, am I driving safely? Relationships more important than rules. Have I hurt somebody? Have I hurt myself? You know, we hurt ourselves by doing stupid stuff like uh, eating stuff that's not good for us maybe. Uh, So, is it about relationships or is it about rules? Three tests. Now, if it's false guilt, you just say, hey, I shouldn't be feeling this way. All right? There's nothing to deal with there. Uh, We'll help you with the real guilt here in a a minute. Uh, We have ways of dealing with guilt that don't work. And we all do this. In fact, we're going to go back to the first couple, (laughs) Adam and Eve, and talk about Ways that we try and handle guilt. Now, most of you know the story. And if you don't believe in that story, that's fine. The lessons are still good. Uh, Adam and Eve in this perfect garden. And uh, one rule. Can you imagine only having to listen or try and keep one rule? I can only, there's only one wrong thing I can do. <laughs> and in their case, it was eat this, of this fruit of this one tree. You can do anything else you want. And, of course, they wouldn't want to do anything else because they were perfect. But they had a flaw, and they decided to eat from the fruit of that tree. So what did they try and how did they respond? How did they react to that? First, they had shame. It says they felt naked. They were ashamed, right? Now, just feeling shame because you've done something wrong, does that make it work? Does that work? Does that make it better? Just, no, shame does not help. We just think that by feeling bad, it makes things better. Didn't work for them, doesn't work for us. Another thing they did, they tried to hide. Now, kind of crazy in their situation, same in our situation. Can, where can you go and hide from God? Kind of reminds me of you know, a little toddler sometimes say, you can't see me, they go like this. It's kind of silly, and it's kind of foolish. The same thing with them trying to hide from God. God, of course, saw what they did, and Excuse me. <coughs> and he sees what you and I do. It reminds me of the story of the burglar. Broke into this house. He had a flashlight. He's looking around and, and he hears this voice. Jesus is watching you. Of course, he freezes, turns the light off. He's wondering what's going on. And a little while later, he hears the voice again. Jesus is watching you. Now he's getting kind of a fascinated intrigue and so he turns the flashlight on he starts looking around and finally he sees this parrot and the parrot is the one who said Jesus is watching and he said ah you're trying to warn me thank you uh, what's your name and the 
parrot answers. He said, my name is Moses. And the, the burglar kind of laughs. Who would name a parrot Moses? And the parrot responds, the same kind of person that would name its Rockweiler Jesus. <laughs> you and I can think we can hide, but we can't hide, can we? Not from God. We might hide it from some other people. So hiding doesn't help us deal with guilt. And the third thing is blame. And we're really good at this one, right? Blaming other people. Adam and Eve tried this one. God came to Adam and said, hey, you had one rule. <laughs> Don't eat from this fruit. Didn't you understand? You ate it. He said, yeah. But you know why? This woman you gave me, she gave it to me. Wasn't my fault. It's her fault. So God goes to, to Eve and he says, uh, and then, you know, I gave you this rule. Don't eat from the tree. And you did. What happened? And she said, well, it wasn't my fault. It was the serpent's fault. And the old adage is, and the snake didn't have a, a leg to stand on, right? <laughs> we cast blame. Does it make it any better? And I've told you folks a while back that the best thing to do is just accept blame for everything. Makes life so much easier. Just, just, just accept. Doesn't matter if you did it or not. Just, just accept the blame. Then you can move on, move forward. So we're going to look at something that uh, a guy by the name of David wrote. It's in the a book of Psalms. I find it fascinating that that evidently Psalms is the most fa- the, is the most used or favorite place for people to go in the Bible. So it's right in the middle. I don't know if that means one reason. and just open it up. I think the real reason that Psalms are so popular is because it expresses a whole gamut of emotions, a whole gamut of experiences, uh, good ones like joy and, and happiness, and, as well as sorrow and, and guilt. And we're going to look at one that was attributed to David. Different people wrote different, different ones. Some we don't even know who wrote them. And... Uh, it's believed to be a response to something David had done in his life. Now, David started off strong. He, he was on fire for God. And most of you know he killed Goliath and all that. He becomes king. And then he's kind of full of himself. And he, in, in order, he commits, basically commits rape, murder, and then lies about it. All right? Uh, we would consider those pretty biggies, right? In fact, two of those at least. Most of us, or maybe nobody here has ever, ever done, right? And so David does that for a while. He lies about it, and eventually he comes to his senses. Somebody can, tells him about it, and he, he, he admits it. And so this psalm is attributed to his dealing with this tremend, eventually tremendous amount of guilt because of tremendous wrong he had done. So let's start in. It's in Psalm 32, and we'll start in verse 1. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven. Now, he uses different words for our mess-ups. In this case, he uses the word disobedience. You know, us parents, sometimes our kids are disobedient, and we are God's children. We're disobedient to him. We do stuff he tells us not to do, right? So he says, what joy for those who, even though they've disobeyed, they're forgiven. And, of course, the common word for us to use is the word sin, whose sin is put out of sight. Now, sometimes we say out of sight, out of mind. Right? So it's great that not only can we be forgiven, that we can also forget it. Now, we can't always forget it, but it's great if we can forget it. God 
can and does forget it. So out of sight. Then he goes on. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt. Now some translations are cleared of sin, which is the wrongdoing, but I, I like this translation because it goes beyond forgiving the sin. You know, we can feel, ask God to forgive us and be forgiven and still feel guilty, right? We've all done that too. So he says, no, 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 no. <laughs> Not only are you forgiven, you are cleared of guilt whose lives are lived in complete honesty. Now, obviously, to do this, you have to be completely honest. David had to commit, admit, yes, I committed rape, adultery, murder, and I lied about it. Confess it. Be honest. Now, when we do wrong, when we sin, when we disobey, we've got one of two options. And first he talks about the bad option. <laughs> when I refuse to confess, when I refuse to admit, when I refuse to fess up, as we would say, the result was this. I was weak, miserable, and groaned all day long. Maybe you've been felt guilty about something so much that it actually made you physically weak. You, you zapped your energy. You felt bad. In fact, you just felt miserable. Uh, that's what was David's situation, and that's often our situation. That's one option. Not a good option, but that's an option, right? And then, here's the other option. He finally came around. He said, finally, I confessed all my sins. Not, well, yeah, I committed murder, but no. Confessed them all. All my sins to you, meaning God, and stopped trying to hide my guilt. Stop, stop trying to hide from it. All right? Not putting tape on the dashboard, right? All right? Trying to hide it. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion. That's another word. Uh, sometimes our, say our teenagers rebel against their parents, parents' authority. Parents want them to do something. They don't want to do it. They're vice versa. Uh, we do that with God. Uh, we rebel to the Lord. And then he says, and you, God, forgave me. Now, hey, we're talking about some biggies here, right? And God forgave him. In fact, not only did he forgive him, he said, all my guilt is gone. I don't know about you, but if I killed somebody or if I raped somebody, I'd have trouble not feeling guilty about it, even if I accepted God's forgiveness. But we shouldn't, and he did, shouldn't, and he didn't. He said, all my guilt is gone. Now, some of you probably need the first part of this verse. You've got some sin in your life that you're refusing to confess, to, 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 to be honest about. And so I encourage you to do that because I don't want you to be weak and miserable and groaning all day long, all right? Others of, of you and I need the second part, to understand and believe that, yes, I'm forgiven and not just some, but all my guilt is gone. Sometimes us religious people, church people, will say, yeah, well, I'm forgiven and, and some of the guilt will be gone, but we hold on to some of it for some reason. Maybe think it makes us better in the future if we hold on to it. No, God says, no, no, it's all gone. Then we're going to skip down the last two verses. It said, many sorrows come to the wicked, but unfailing love surrounds those who trust the Lord. That's a big word. We're going to come back to that. We have to trust what God says. Believe it, right? If I don't believe it, it doesn't do me any good. If 
If I don't trust him, it's not going to do me any good. So unfailing love surrounds us. Those who trust, those who don't, I have many sorrows. And then notice the three words highlighted here. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad all you obey him. Shout for joy all whose hearts are pure. Now, there's two kinds of ways to obey. There can be the rules, you know, don't murder, don't lie. There's, 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 there's the rules and we can just obey them. There'd be no problem if we all obeyed them. Can any of us obey all of them all the time? <laughs> no. So that's not an option for us. We do the best we can, but that's not an option. So how do we obey him? We obey him by confessing our mess-ups, our sins, our wrongdoing. Okay? So if I can't be perfect, then the other way I obey is by confessing, doing the things we're going to talk about in a, in a few minutes. Are any of us pure? Not in ourselves, but by God's grace, we are declared pure or uh, not guilty, as we'll talk, also talk about in a minute. So I summarize this, this psalm this way. You and I become the person God wants us to be and you want to be. In reality, you want to be. Not by guilt. Not by feeling bad when we mess up. Not by feeling bad when we don't do things we should do. That does no good. It does not make us useful to God, but by grace. When we accept God's forgiveness. Do we deserve it? No. That's why it's grace. He says, I want to be in relationship with you. I don't move. You've moved. If you confess your sin to me, then you can come back. Be close to me. So, how does God handle guilt? We're going to give you three Three steps, I guess the best way to put it. Of course, it's all under God's grace. He handles our guilt by His grace. I guess technically we deserve to feel guilty the rest of our lives for the things we do wrong. But God says, no, that's not what's best for you. What's best for you is these three things. First, confess my sins, my wrongdoings, my mess-ups, my shortcomings. That means tell God. Now, confessing means more than, yeah, I did that. Probably do it again tomorrow. No. Confess means to agree with God. And it says, yes, I agree with you, God, that that was wrong. I shouldn't do that, and I shouldn't do it anymore. Completely different. Sometimes we confess because we just want to get past the consequences. Oh, God, I'm confessing, so hopefully, you know, the consequences won't be so bad. No, it's agreeing with God. Now, sin has a lot of definitions, but for me, the easiest way to think about sin is this. What is the middle letter in the word sin? I. So whenever life comes down to I or me, then sin gets involved. It's okay, God, I know what you want, but I'm going to do what I want. Parents, I know what you want, but I'm going to do what I want. Teacher, I know what you want, I'm going to do what I want. Spouse, I know what you want, but I'm going to do what I want. All right? That's where sin comes. So anytime life's about you, that's when sin can come in. Adam and Eve, whoever, became about them. They wanted to eat the fruit. God said no. That is the easiest way for me, anyway, to think about sin. <clears throat> now, can we hide that? Can't hide it from God. You might be able to hide it from some other people, but you can't hide it from God. So you might as well tell him, right? 
Now the harder part is actually agreeing with him. But how do you tell him? Well, we tell him, we say in prayer, you talk to God. But if you like something more concrete, you can write it down. You can sit down with a piece of paper and a pencil. Uh, it works best with that rather than a, than a, a computer or iPad. And anything you feel guilty about, false or, or genuine guilt, doesn't matter. Just, just write them all down, okay? Just write them all down. And then just go through the three steps we're going to talk about this morning and then crumble it up, burn it up, whatever, all right? So confession is telling God, agreeing with God. Now, another part of this that we don't do very often, don't talk about very often is this. Tell a trusted friend. There's a lot of um, good in doing this. It's hard for us to do. Uh, but first, you've got to find a trusted friend that's not going to blab it or, or gossip about it. But somebody you can trust. Now, the neat thing that happens when you tell somebody else is it kind of shrinks it down. You know, we always think the stuff that we're doing is so terrible. You know, as a pastor, sometimes people confess to me. And, and as I've told you before, I, it's kind of, uh, okay. Uh, you know, I've already heard this from 10 other people you know, along the line. Wish people would be more creative in their sinning. You know, it's just kind of all boring, same old stuff. All right? Um, so it shrinks it down. You know, yeah, you do that, and, you know, you know 10, 10 other people are doing that, or hundreds of other people are doing that. You know, there's nothing really special about you, and, and it's not worse what you're doing than anybody else, okay? It just shrinks it down and makes it, yeah, 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 I'm, I'm not alone in this. Um, so a trusted friend. Now, part of confession, the problem we have with confession is, I don't, sometimes don't feel forgiven. And I always try to explain to people, in giving or receiving forgiveness, there's two aspects. There's intellectual side and there's emotional side. Now, I struggled this for years because I did, couldn't separate the two. My wife would ask me to forgive her and I would say, I, I can't yet, meaning I don't feel like it yet. So I've learned my lesson years ago. I realized, no, when she asked me to for forgive her, I say, yes, absolutely, right, immediately. And, of course, we'll talk about that in a few weeks, about why it should be immediate. And I may not feel like it, and, and so I have to work through that, but there, that's two separate things. So when we're dealing with God, it's the same thing. It's kind of a catch-22. It's a kind of a trap. When I'm feeling guilty, I'm feeling distant from God, but what I really need is to get, come close to God, right? And if I come close to God, then I will feel forgiven. All right, does that make sense? Hopefully it does. So confess your sins. Believe it, feel it. If you don't feel it, it's probably because you don't do the second thing. The second thing is trust God's character. And the reason we don't feel it, sometimes we don't trust God's character. We, we, we don't believe he either wants to or will completely forgive me. Does God want to forgive your sins? What do you think? Absolutely. Why do you send Jesus to die on the cross? <laughs> he wants to be a, a relationship with you. And he wants to be close to you. He doesn't want to have any barriers between, you know, I'm married, been married a long time. I don't like to have issues between my wife and I. God doesn't want us, you to have issues between him, you, you and him. So, do you trust God's character? And as we mentioned in the, in the first service, isn't it arrogant to say to God, okay, you say you can forgive all my sins, but I say you can't. How arrogant can we be to say, oh, I still need to feel guilty, God, even though you've forgiven me? See, the cross has set us free, hasn't it? And the third thing is 
And just as we said last week, the only hang-up, the only catch is you've got to accept it. Right? You and I are declared not guilty because of what Jesus has done for us. Again, how arrogant is it to say, no, I, I, I still need, I'm still guilty. Uh, the cross wasn't big enough. Jesus' death wasn't big enough. Sometimes we think we're going to get to the pearly gates and they're going to decide then, well, I'll let you in or not. No, that's decided here, right? I've declared not guilty as a Jesus follower. I'm declared not guilty right now. I don't have to wait till I get to the pearly gates. <clears throat> try and use this illustration to kind of finish up. Um, some of you know my sister May and her husband Freddie had a stroke a few months back and got an email from her this week saying, the hospital has forgiven us $9,000 bill. Man, she was just blown away. How, how gracious is God to do that? She could accept that, and well, she was. But she also had another option, and some of us kind of do this with our, with our guilt. Well, maybe there was a mess up in the accounting department, and, you know, they thought we paid and we didn't, and eventually they're going to catch up with us and they're going to send us the bill. Now, this didn't happen in their case, but just imagine that the, the head person of the hospital writes a letter and says, uh, Dear May and Fred Argelin, this is to inform you that, yes, we have forgiven your $9,000 hospital bill from your stroke. So if anybody in the future tries to get money from you, just show them this letter. That's exactly what you and I need to do when we are faced with Satan condemning us with what we call false guilt. I don't have a Bible up here, but just hold your Bible up and say, I've got this letter from God saying, I, I am not guilty. I do not owe anything. My sins are forgiven. Now, I understand. We all struggle with this. But one of the worst things about this is when we are struggling with guilt, God can't use you. God can't use me. So he says, hey, get over it. So you've done wrong. You know, problems when we do wrong, we don't think we're worthy of being used. And God said, no, 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 no. I, I sent Jesus to die for you. I want to use you. In fact, the, I can use you best when you can overcome the mistakes and the, and the wrong things you have done. So let's go back to our summary statement. You become the person God wants you to be, the person God can use, not by guilt, but ex by accepting God's grace. We'll continue with another aspect of grace next week. Hopefully you can join us. Bring somebody with you. Let's pray. Father God, thank you. We thank you that... Uh, there is guilt, guilty conscience. We feel bad when we mess up, so we know uh, there's, there's work to be done to fix it. We thank you that it can be fixed. I mean, the consequences sometimes can't be undone. But God, you can forgive us. We can be in close relationship with you. And consequently, then we can feel forgiven and we can be made useful in your kingdom. God, I want to pray for anybody here this morning that's really struggling with some aspect of guilt in their life, that they would claim, that if they're a Jesus follower, that they are declared not guilty, that they would confess it. Maybe they need to confess it to someone else to kind of get past it, uh, especially maybe if it's something dealing with somebody else's family sin. And God, we pray for anybody that's not a Jesus follower, that they would accept your gift of grace of, of relationship, and the guilt would also be gone in their life. God, we thank you for your grace in Jesus' name.
Amen.